2: If I keep his commandments and I choose to do those things pleasing in his sight, then when we ask, we'll receive. So, folks, while we could talk a lot about prayer, what makes you think that God is going to be so quick to grant us our request when we're not living a godly, holy life? Now, that, that may hit you spiritually, intellectually, academically. Let's, let's bring it back to our real world right here. Kids, when you're acting like, like you shouldn't act, and you're kind of bad and you're mouthy to your mother and you didn't do what you were told to do. In fact, you even went overboard, you did things that you know you shouldn't do, and your mom and dad know that. If you go to your mom and dad in the midst of you getting into trouble and you said to your mom and dad, Mom, can I have five dollars the youth is going here? Or dad, would you mind driving me to the mall because everybody's going to the what do you think the response of your mom and dad are gonna be? What? No, no you gotta be kidding me. Well, That's normal because that's how life is. We please the people above us, do those things pleasing in his sight. Then what happens? The Lord wants to grant us this. Now, some of you listen very carefully. It's not about do good. So you get watch now. The reason we do good is because then when we do get what we get, then we'll handle properly. We'll handle it with grace. We'll handle it under the power of the Holy Spirit because we've lived right before the Lord. So why would God want to give us something when our lives are so messed up that we're, we're apt to misuse or abuse what he's, he's given to us? And so that's why he says as we're coming to him, before we pray for others, our own life needs to be healthy. Then we have to have an intimacy with God. Then we're now ready to accurately and appropriately pray for other people. Now listen carefully. There's a fine line between us analyzing others that have problems and criticizing others that have problems. Some of us are so critical of others and that's why we then throw up our little spiritual prayer rather than analyzing the situation, which is an acceptable thing to do. In fact, the whole book of Proverbs is nothing about is, is everything about analyzing a wise person, a foolish person, a diligent person, a lazy person, a wise person, a foolish person. It's all about analyzing. But what keeps it properly balanced is when I'm filled with the Spirit, I will analyze their problem. I will love that person. And now I can properly pray in a way that would add value to that other person. So here's where I'm going with these two two Sundays of messages. Before we go after someone else, we have to go after ourselves to be proper before the Lord. And so keep that in mind if you will. Now, as we look at the life of Paul, I'll give you a little bit of background now. There are four large passages of Scripture where the Apostle Paul prays for people. He prayed for them twice in the book of Ephesians. We've studied that book for a whole year. So we found two areas, two times he prayed for people. I'm not going to refer back to that exactly, but I wanted you to know he prayed for them twice. The second time he prayed for them was in the book of Colossians. And he prayed a very deep, rich prayer so that others' lives in Colossae would change. And then he did it. To the believers in Philippi. So four separate prayers, three separate churches, he prayed for the lives of others to change. I thought this was interesting. Where was he when he prayed for others? He prayed for them when he was in prison or he was in bondage or when he had his own set of, we might say, problems. Although he didn't look at it as problems. So right now, you may be so swamped with your own little bondage, financial bondage, health problems. Maybe socially things aren't the way you hoped they would be. Maybe you're on a job you can't get out of, you can't change. People are in control of you that you can't stop. And so you might begin to get so depressed and discouraged over that that you won't get your eyes on other people. And so what I would like to pray before you is there's a man that has the same sin nature that we have. His name is Paul. But he chose that this world would not be about him. It would be about the Lord and others connecting to him. So he got his eyes off his own little prison. He didn't deny it. He was there. But at the same time, he got his eyes off his own prison. Then he realized, watch this, that the problems that other people had were a greater prison to them than the prison he was in. So he began to think about, hey, I'm not in prison. I'm a slave of Christ. I'm here because of him. I'm going to use my prison to glorify him. So I'm not really, really in prison. They're in prison because they have issues that need to have changed in their life. So now he then cast his eyes on their needs. So let's pause for a moment. So if you're getting ready to pray for someone else, release yourself from the emotional bondage of your own thinking of prison. And to see that wherever you are, God has allowed you to be there so that you can bloom when you're planted and now get your eyes on the needs of other people. That might encourage you to, in that measure. Let me go back to those four areas of prayer, the four times he prayed. I went through those, and as I went through them, and I, I memorized the patches, I studied, I went through the original languages. i come back to about eight pinnacle issues that he prayed. Now, you just want to jot these down. They're not going to be big sentences. They're just words. Just so that you can begin to say, okay, if I'm to pray for that other person, what do I want? All right, here they are quickly in your margin. He prayed that they would have knowledge, primarily the knowledge of God. Today we would say if you want to know God, you've got to know his book. So they have to know the Bible. They have to know God by knowing the Bible. The second word is the word wisdom, the word wisdom. That once they knew God, they know what to do with the knowledge they had about God. And now next to the word wisdom, I want you to put parentheses there and put the word discernment. That means the understanding, the ability. He said, I prayed for those people that they would have understanding about the knowledge of God and wisdom and how to put it all together. So we're talking about wisdom and knowledge, one, two. Number three, power. Not so much that they would get more power, but that they would have the power released in their life that they already have. So he prayed that they'd have power, probably because people were in some form of bondage of sin. So he prayed that they'd see the power they had. The next word is the word endurance. That they would be able to have uh, the endurance, the strength to continue on no matter what they're in. The next word is the word long-suffering. That's a word we don't use in our language here. be interesting if there's a Hawaiian word for that. And those of you that speak Hawaiian, if you'll give that back to me, I'd like to know. For the whole concept of long-suffering. And that these people would realize that sometimes things won't change. And so now you're going to have to go through it for perhaps the rest of your life. I'm thinking of those that have an injury. Long-suffering. The next word is the word Joy. That they would understand joy. The next word is the word gratitude. That the people he prayed for would have a more grateful spirit, an attitude of gratitude. And, of course, the last one is the word love. Is the word love. Now, are you with me so far? Because what I'm about to say is I want to make some a bigger case now. I just mentioned to you that Paul cared about others while he was in prison. Four major prayers, eight various areas. Now, when he prayed for those eight areas... He did not pray that they would have, watch this, love and wisdom and knowledge. Here it is. He prayed that they would abound. He wanted them to abound in knowledge. Not just have some knowledge, but abound in knowledge, abound in wisdom, abound in discernment, abound in endurance, abound in power, abound in long-suffering, abound in joy, abound in gratitude, abound in love. And so that these folks here would just, just be overflowing with these things. Now, listen carefully. Not one of his prayers in Philippians or these other writings that he ever prayed that they would get healthy. He did not pray that they would get a job or that their donkey would get healed or their their cart would get fixed. What they prayed about is that they'd have the inner strength to go and carry life in a way that would bring glory to God. And so now when you see the people that are around you, and I'm not saying it's wrong to pray that you get this or get that, but I want to raise your level of your mature praying to pray for lives to be changed in these areas. So now... We're still not yet to exactly what did Paul pray for in the life of the Philippians that we'll do next week. But when he did this, I want you to go back to Philippians now in verse three. Here's what he began to do. This is when he had this attitude of prayer. What caused him to pray for those people? In other words, if you're saying, you know what, I find myself not praying for others. And boy, the pastor's making a big point of praying for others. Paul prayed for others. If I'm spiritually mature and growing, i would be praying for others. I I don't really pray much for others. What would cause me to pray more for others? I'm going to give you three, and I'm using the model that Paul had that kind of gets me into his heart to find out what made him pray for others. Here it is, number one. He had them in his mind. He had them in his mind. He was thinking of them. And so maybe we don't think about other people as much as we should. We think too much about our life, our world. It's all about me. So he had him in his mind. I had a Bible teacher years ago when I was in Bible college. He would ask all of us students what our favorite Bible verse was. And so we would send it in to him. Back then they didn't have email and all that. So we'd write it on a card or a slip of paper. And he took it back to his office. And what he did in his Bible is that he would find the Bible verse that was our favorite Bible verse. He would look in his Bible where that verse was. And then he'd write our name there. And every time he'd read through his Bible and he'd come across that verse, he said, I'm going to pray for you when I see that verse because that's your favorite verse and you'd like to have that out in your life. I don't know if that works for you. It's a gimmicky thing, I know. But I'm just saying to you, though, do you really think about those people? If they're in your mind, you might pray more for them. Look at the verse, verse 3. Follow along. It says, I thank my God upon every, what's that next word? Remembrance. So that doesn't mean he thought about them all the time. So don't set your standard so high that you can't reach it. He says, every time I remembered you. So whatever it was, it causes you to remember that person. He says, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. When he remembered them, when he remembered in that prayer, he prayed for them. Number two, what caused him to pray for other people? What will make us think about others more? Number two, he had them in his heart. He had them in his heart. It went more than just the intellectual. I know their name. I know where they live. Now he says, I have them in my heart. So he was feeling for them. In fact, I think that's very close to the word compassion. Two words together. Common passion. Com means with. Passion means to suffer with. So in other words, he thought about what those people were going through. We had a president one time that used to make the big deal when he would say, I feel your pain. Well... I can't judge him, so I'm not going to go there. But I am saying this. We might need to feel a little bit more about what other people are going through. Men, those of you that are at our Thursday night study, you're hearing some of these men become very transparent. And most of these men are rough and tough military guys, still learning how to be a little bit open. But when they share, doesn't it cause you to sense, you know, I feel for them a little bit job career where they're going decisions they have to make family issues health issues extended family church finances when you start realizing what they're going through you might pray more for them young people listen if you look up here for just a second i will never expect you and no one should ever expect you to understand what your mom and dad are going through in marriage in life in responsibility none of you have yet come to the level and that's not wrong For you to know the weight of a father who must work a job, get the money, divide it all up, make sure that he spends it on the right stuff to provide for the family and have extra to give you a little blessing because he really wants to. And a wife at times, your mama who's struggling with trying to be a godly mother and a godly wife and a godly woman, some of them working an extra job, some of them trying to juggle with getting you all over the planet, in this case all over the island, when you want to go, struggling with your own needs, trying to encourage you but rebuke you when you need it. I want you to know none of you will ever understand that, but what I'm asking you to do, young people, and I love you, and you are the cream of the crop on this island, in my opinion, I want you for a moment to feel, if you can, a little bit about what your mom and dad might be going through and to ask God to give you an understanding heart and feel for them. Look, if you will, here, what Paul wrote. He says, just as it is right for me. That's an interesting phrase. It's right for me to do this. I'm supposed to do this. To think this of you all because I have you where, everyone? In my heart. You know, um, you, girls. You, you ever see these little necklaces, and it's you got a little heart, and that you open the heart up that of that little necklace. What what do some girls put inside the heart of that necklace? What do they put in there? Anybody? Boyfriend. Their boyfriend's picture, and in some cases, if you don't have a boyfriend, it's your pet dog or your cat or something. Right? All you're really saying is that little heart. That thing, that picture that I have in there is, is because I have them in my heart. Now, some of you might go so far as to say, I don't have any pictures in mine because I'm waiting for that special, super duper, my, my, my poopsie, my little, my, little my, my man friend, you know, whatever it might be. I don't know. But you got my point. That little heart represents something so special to you. So let's come back up for air, folks. If we want to pray for other people, obviously we have to be thinking about them. Think about the world that they're in. But watch this now. Watch this. But what you can do for a moment is try to walk a mile in their slippers. Okay? Number three. Then he says, I also have them in my prayers. So he went beyond just thinking about them and feeling their pain, because sometimes when you think about them, you start to control or try to change their life for them by taking over and doing a lot of enabling of them. But God says, no, in his prayers, he was longing for them. And so he knew that he had to do this. And I love that underline the letter S prayers, plural that fits back to persistently. He prayed. It wasn't one prayer. It was many prayers. And maybe for the people you're praying for, you've got a loved one, adult daughter, adult son, married people, in-laws. You've got people off the island, people you're struggling with. You continue to pray for them. You have it in your mind. Watch this now. Progression. In your mind. Then it goes into your heart. And it ought to, for believers, come out of their prayers, longing for them. Notice the verse that says this. This is so cool. So cool. Watch this now. Look at your verse now. For God is my witness. Woo! It's right for me. God's watching me. How greatly I long for you. So he's not making a little statement so he looks spiritual. How greatly I long for you. All of you. No exceptions. I don't like dad more than mother. I don't like son more than daughter. I love you all. Then he says, with the affection of Jesus Christ. Circle that phrase, with the affection of Christ. So now he says, I have you in my mind. It's in my heart, and that's right. But I'm loving you because God loves you. Now, this is, this is absolutely probably the, the biggest part of this whole passage. Because what you're now saying is, I have trouble for that other person. I, I, my relationship isn't very good for the, with them. So what you're now stepping up and saying, but you know what? God loves them. And if God loves them, I'm going to love whom God loves. And if God loves them, I love them. And if I love them, I will pray for them. Why? Because they're in my heart. Why are they in my heart? Because they're in God's heart. Why should I be thinking about them? Because they're in God's mind. And if God wants them to change, I should want them to change. So whatever is in them that I don't like, that irregular person, as Litauer says, it doesn't matter to the hill of beans because now it's not my affection for them. It's the affection of God working through me to them. Now, when you do this and you have a proper prayer relationship with God, your prayers for that other person are more highly likely to be answered, And then they will appropriately be changed. Now, let me give you a caveat here. Some of us think someone's life needs to change and maybe they really don't need to change. But we've judged them all over. We kicked them all over our life mentally. And when we get right with God and we now get right with that other person, what we're praying about changing might even change. So don't don't feel like we're going to start controlling them through our prayers. Like, OK, God, get them. You know, remember, God's your father, but he's also their father, too. Now, to do this, obviously, he had to have a relationship right upward. He had a relationship in his own being and prayers inward. But let me show you what he did outward here. Now, he's communicating him in a letter fashion. Now, I'm not even giving you what he prayed about for them. That's next week. You've got to come back for that. But here's what he did. He said this. He greeted them with grace in the Lord. So if you want to reestablish a relationship with that person so that you can authentically say, I'm praying for you, and they feel like you care enough for them, you greet them with grace. Look what it says here. He writes them a letter, and he says, grace to you, the people he's praying for, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today it would be similar to maybe us saying aloha nui aloha to someone. We're expressing grace and love and genuine love and sincere love and authentic love to that person. Here it was the idea of grace. It's interesting. Grace always comes before peace. You can't have peace until you experience grace. And so it's his grace to you and peace, not from us, but from God. Number two, expressing our joy in the Lord for them, developing a relationship with them. Notice what he tells them. He says, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. Do you enjoy praying for the other person whose life you want to see changed? Is there joy in there? Really joyful? Now, look up here for just a second. I, I, don't, I hope maybe this might help you. Um, here's what I struggle with. Maybe it's my personality. But sometimes when a person's life, and my prayer life is okay, and I care for that other person. But what happens now is I look at that other person. And I can see what's wrong in their life. And I fixate on their problems, their sin, or their, their, their outside the bounds. And I'm, I'm fixating on that. And if I stay fixating on that, I can lose my joy. Because frankly, there is no joy in sin. There ought not to be. Maybe that little flesh momentary thing. But for right now, there's no long-term joy. So if I'm thinking about all their bad, I'll never have that joy. So what I need to do is analyze it by saying, yes, they have sin in their life. And I they're not hurting me by that sin. They shouldn't be. But they are hurting themselves with that sin. And I love them. And I see so much because, first of all, God wanted them to be born. God gave them life. And if they're a Christian, God gave them a spiritual gift. God gave them a purpose for living. God has so much for them. I'm so excited, so joyful for what they could have. Not maybe what they're doing wrong to miss it right now. So if I only fixate on their problem, I'm going to miss out on other areas where God's grace has been released and their life has become better. So let's not think because they've blown it in one area, they're no good for the rest of their life in any area. There's still some pockets there. So express our joy in the Lord for them. And then the last one is this, having confidence in the Lord for them. In other words, I may not have confidence in them, but I have confidence that God will work out his will in their life, and I have confidence that if they yield to the Lord, that things can change for the better. And here's what he says to them. Always in every prayer of mine, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. I have confidence. Look up here for a second. What that is saying, that you will not give up hope for that person. There are some people in this church, without mentioning names, that um, have prayed a long time for loved ones. And the more they prayed, the worse the person got, if I can say. And I believe that Satan could have talked to them in such a manner, prompting or whatever, and made them feel like, why pray? Because the more I pray, the behinder we get with this person. But they decided not to listen to that kind of worldly, false, convoluted process. And they said, you know what? God says that there's always hope. As long as that person is alive, God provides hope. And so no one is hopeless. No child, no adult child, no boss, no employee, no mate. Nobody is hopeless. So your confidence is going to be in God that God will do it. Now, the worst that could happen is, and I say this in jest, you could die before you ever see the change. So it's only bad for you but not for them because they'll change. Do not give up hope. Extend grace to them. Extend to them the joy you have in the Lord for them. And what could be happening. And then continue having that spirit of hopefulness. Because you are confident that what God has begun in their life. God will continue. And you have the privilege. Me too. We have the privilege of fertilizing their life. So to speak. With prayer. And love. And connection. Next week when we come back. I'd like to share with you from the passage of Philippians. What exactly did he pray for them. This might be more specific, targeted for where those people are. And it might not be exactly where your people that you're praying for are. But I believe there's enough there that you and the Holy Spirit and you guys work it out between you and the Lord of what that person needs. I believe there's some general principles in what we're going to learn next week that will help you. So if I could leave you with a couple of thoughts, here it is. Look at your paper. To pray more effectively for others, we need to be in a right relationship with God and then a right relationship with others. And so my question to you is, as you came in here today, did you bring any baggage that you need to get corrected? I had to clear my baggage while you all were already seated in here by going out and talking to Carol. We talked about that. Maybe you've got to do that with someone. I don't know. By doing that, you'll be in a right relationship with the Lord. If you're a guest here today, I want you to know that we have a God who delights in answering our prayers. In fact, Scripture says that if I ask for bread, he doesn't give me a rock or a serpent or a serpent. He's going to take care of whatever my needs are because I have a benevolent father, not a Santa Claus God, but I do have a benevolent father that wants to provide for me. But he does it in a way by saying, I'll provide, but there are certain areas in your life that you need to be in sync with me. Let's pray together. Our gracious heavenly father, we come before you and we say to you how grateful we are that you would show grace and mercy to us in our willfulness, our selfishness, our sinfulness. And that you would forgive us. And Lord, we do not treat our sin lightly. And that, Father, we grieve when we have attitudes that aren't right and words that we shouldn't have shared, things that are just out of line. But, Lord, we want to say thank you for that forgiveness. And we come before you and say, Lord, thank you. But we say, Lord, we're going to depend upon your power that we will forsake that wicked thought pattern. We're going to depend upon you for the strength and the endurance to keep it out of our lives so that we would walk in a holy manner before you. And so, Lord, this way we can be a better servant to those that we would like their life to change. So help us to love them with the affection of Christ, which is a balanced one, that we rebuke when we need, we step away when we need, but we step toward when we need to because it's the biblical affection for that person. And then, Lord, help us to learn how to pray more effectively for others through your word, And how you would be praying to the Father for them. Father, I pray for our faith family. Bless them this week as they go out differently than when they came in. As we all as one family grow in grace and the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: You are listening to Make It Clear. If today's message helped you to better understand God's word, let me encourage you to be with us next time or go to our website, MakeItClear.org, for more resources. If Stan's biblical teaching is helping you to understand God's Word more clearly and to apply it to your life each day, please remember, this ministry is listener-supported. You can become a partner with Make It Clear and take this teaching to other believers around the world by making a tax-deductible donation to Make It Clear. P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Or you may do so securely online at MakeItClear.org. On behalf of Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College, thanks for listening and invite a friend to join you next time for Make It Clear.
0: Hey, everyone. Pete Pekats, morning host.
1: And I invite you to join us weekday
0: afternoons right here on The Word as we connect you with more ministry. Like The Reconnect at 3 p.m. with Carmen Laburge, Followed at 4 by What Does the Bible Say with Pastor Riggs. Then at 4.30, don't miss, Armored by Truth, with Pastor Brashear from Cornerstone Baptist. Then at 5, check out the all-new Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Then 5.30, you can Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons from Orlando Bible College. More ministry, more teaching, more of the Bible you need every day. Getting closer to God's living word. Only on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. How would you describe your health care? If you're like most Americans these days, the word affordable isn't top of mind. Well, here's some good news. There's actually a trusted health care option that is affordable. It's called MediShare. Unlike insurance, MediShare is Christian health care sharing, a community of more than 200,000 believers across America who share each other's medical expenses. It's about half the cost of insurance, and it's fully acceptable under the law. And here's the best part. Because MediShare is based on biblical principles, you never pay for things that go against your beliefs. MediShare is affordable health care for Christians. Learn how thousands of Christians can help you save on your health care. For your free information guide, call 844-41-BIBLE. Not available in Montana. MediShare, affordable biblical health care. Call 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE.
2: Hello, this is Paul Garcia, head of St. Barnabas Episcopal School in DeLand. We understand that the right learning environment leaves a lifelong impact on a child. Don't miss St. Barnabas
0: Episcopal School's Science Expo April 11th. It's a community event at the school in DeLand. The Science Expo features amazing projects from many age levels, many of which allow fun participation for families. The Science Expo hosts many local vendors who provide activity stations that are great for all ages. You can also
2: schedule a personal tour by visiting our website, sbesyes.org. St. Barnabas Episcopal School faith, virtue, and excellence for your child. This is Dr. Dan Yachter, DC of Nutrimost. I'm here with my patient, Joe, who did amazing on our program. How much weight did you lose?
1: I've lost 55 pounds now.
2: Now, you were skeptical at first. How do you feel now after completing the program?
1: I can't even describe it. It's, it's, uh, It's just unbelievable. I never expected these kind of results. Never.
2: So many people think quick weight loss involves crash diets. Joe, did you starve yourself on the program? I can honestly say with this diet, I did not have that hunger. And our program utilizes absolutely no exercise, no prepackaged foods, and no dangerous drugs or hormones. One last question, Joe. I understand you went to your physician lately and did some tests. How did that go? He called me two days
1: later, and he said, okay, stop the lipitor. Your cholesterol 99. And I said, alright, how about my blood sugar? He says
2: he's 95. Want to be our next success story? Then call 407-915-3884 and take advantage of our 20-pound guarantee. Call 407-915-3884 or visit loseweightcentralflorida.com. That's loseweightcentralflorida.com. NewsWeightCentralFlorida.com. Do you have enough drinking water at home or work?
1: From meetings and special events to your company or family holiday get-together, be prepared with Carolina Highland Mountain Spring Water, delivered directly to your home or business. Call now for their Be Prepared Delivery Special. Individual bottles, dispensers, and coolers. No contracts, no fees. Call 407-851-7144. Online at CarolinaBottledWater.com. 84.9
0: FM and AM 950. Central Florida's WTLN Orlando. The word where faith comes by hearing.